Okay. Good morning, Five Stones. Good. It's great to see everyone here, and thank you, Pastor John, for letting us know what we are anticipating in the fall launch. So I'm excited to, to see what God's unfold with us. Uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to share. Sorry, I'm Eugene. I'm one of the members here. And it's great to see everybody uh, at church, uh, church families, uh, f- uh, friends and visitors. Uh, today, I'm going to be wrapping up the One and Other Summer Series, and uh, we'll be showing a video of our very own Ben Park, and yeah, a <laughs> wonderful worship leader, and calling out our Pastor Rich and Pastor Mimi. So uh, let's start with the video first. Hey everyone, how's it going? Good morning. It's nice to see you all. Just kidding, I can't see any of you. I'm looking at a camera lens, but hope you're all having a wonderful morning. And uh, yeah, I'm calling out Rich and Mimi Gao. I had the idea of doing it a couple weeks ago and really weighed on my heart because um, when I look back, they are a huge kind of part of my community and family the last few years. And um, really, it's been it's been awesome to have them. And I just want to acknowledge them and uh, just acknowledge the amazing impact they've had on on me and all the awesome stuff they do at church and with their lives and how they live it's just really awesome Um, prior to me finding five stones i was kind of having fragmented church experiences where a lot of churches would dissipate or there'd be organizational chaos or i just didn't feel very connected so i had i knew from family um, growing up that there is there's a kingdom way of living and fellowshipping and i learned a lot about that but i had a lot of discouragement or cynicism for that being in a, in a church family and really having a solid um, experience of that and um, yeah starting at Five Stones I was really just hesitant and um, kind of just going to church so my mom wouldn't be mad at me and then you know trying to hang out just with my friends or whatever and um, but eventually I, I just got um, an experience of, of true community and family and, and Rich and Mimi both had different roles and in, in how they interact with me and, and uh, just want to say a couple of things about what I appreciate about them and um, yeah Rich he just has a pure heart of, of gold and he's always looking for the Father's will he's really talented in so many ways but yet he still puts God first in such a radical way that to me was very um, interesting and inspiring and so he was he was kind enough to just spend a lot of time with me talking and we went over things we went over questions we'd meet once a month start you know a couple years ago we started doing that and um yeah i really just appreciate his excitement for what god can do and his his willingness to follow god and and just put him first in, in every area of his life and um yeah he's he's even just recently he started a men's group where he um you know took the time in a busy schedule to meet with us every three weeks and just give us encouragement and advice and and Give, a, give us takes on what we were going through and, and just it, just his own experience um, and his own stories of, of, of his walk with God and that's been really encouraging and awesome and um, yeah with Mimi she was always uh, really encouraging and she probably had prophetic words about me you know being involved with helping out with worship but she was very patient because I kept on saying no to her asking me to help all the time um, and it took a while for me to start 
um, giving up that part of, of me where I was willing to to just give um, and uh, it came through you know just trusting them and having awesome experiences and just having joyful experiences and um, you know really wanting to do it in a genuine way and I and you know I had like I said earlier a lot of um, hesitancy and cynicism around this kind of stuff and I really wanted to understand it a, on a deeper level and and yeah Mimi's always um, listening to the Holy Spirit and she, she does a great job bringing people together and understanding strengths and weaknesses making people feel welcome and appreciated and yeah the patience and grace that both Rich and Mimi possess um, is awesome they're always working together and, and, and they're awesome advocates and they're so patient and they're still willing to, to push um, push me and push all of us to um, what's next for everyone and um, I'm really excited for what's next and I hope this is encouraging to them um, and uh, yeah it's been really encouraging to me to just have you guys around as pastors and um, wonderful people I hope everyone here gets a chance to ex to uh, interact with with them and experience um, how awesome they are how lovely they are and um, yeah, this is my second take. The first take I did, I took really long, so I don't know how long I've been talking just now, but um, just, yeah, I hope this is good, and um, yeah, thanks a lot, Rich and Mimi. You guys are the best, and see you all right now. Bye. Thank you, Ben, for calling us out. That was very gracious and kind of you. And I'm going to let Mimi uh, begin with our reply. Yeah, thanks, Ben, for calling us both out and your encouraging words. Uh, good morning, Five Stones Church. Ben started uh, hanging out at Five Stones Church through one of his good friends, uh, Peter Garrett, one of the sons of Kevin and Julia. I remember he was really animated and energetic and of course um, I had learned that he uh, was one of the sons of Andy Park, a very well-known worship leader in our area uh, and being um, the worship pastor at that time at Five Stones Church and presently over hospitality, I thought, oh here's a cool young man that um, has a heart to serve and um, he said to me, I, I recall, uh, if you ever need a sound guy uh, and you're stuck, uh, you can hit me up and uh, I'll be down for it. <laughs> so I, I said, you know, that would be so cool. Um, that was the, the journey of, the beginning of a journey of his being available. Uh, not always, but um, when we needed in a pinch, uh, sound, a sound guy. Believe me, me, we needed sound guys and uh, was very thankful for that time. And um, I also didn't want to ask him out of a need because I knew he was pursuing his dreams uh, in the music industry. Uh, the prophetic has a, a way of bringing something out in into the open and you can see the beginning and the end, but perhaps not so much the middle. And that's where God is at work. And thank you, Ben, for hanging in there um, uh, with us and pressing in to your giftings and callings uh, in the time, in the timing of God. Um, you've, uh, at the end, you truly found community and family. And when Rich and I got married, um, my pastor, 
uh, gave us a Bible for our wedding, and in it it said this. Pastor, uh, dearest Richard and Mimi, thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of mil millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those who hate them. Genesis 24:60, with our full blessing, Gideon and May, March 24, 1990. Um, I couldn't see for the longest time how this was relevant to me, to be honest. And um, a couple of weeks ago, one of the Sundays, you said to me, um, of course I have parents, but you're my spiritual parents. And I was so touched. Um, you are one of the fruits of that blessing, that, uh, that spiritual blessing that was said to us 31 years ago. So thank you, Ben. Yeah, I just want to echo and emphasize what Mimi you know, said there. Uh, whether as a pastor or as spiritual parents, we are just geared to see potential in people. And I think that Mimi and I both just had that very distinct sense that you're one of those young people in our church that is so full of potential and so full of, of destiny. But I think what I'm most proud of is just your journey into Five Stones. We wanted to make sure that you didn't feel like we're just trying to capitalize on your gifts and skills. We really wanted you to feel part of this family before you started to serve, even though our temptation was to try to fit you into a serving slot right away. But um, really have come to see how you've matured and mm -hmm. understood that church is not just a commercial enterprise, which so many people fall into, but it is truly a family that flies under the flag of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I just see so many qualities in you that God is nurturing. Um, there's a, a real heart for God that you have, and I think sometimes you fight yourself on that. Sometimes your marbles fall on the floor and we got to pick them up and just say, oh, it's, it's all good. We'll get them back into your pouch. I really see a humility in you. You really uh, listen to people, care for people. Um, there's a side of you that is really oriented towards serving. And mm -hmm. it's not just because you're in the worship department and you need to do that. But no, really, you're, you're willing to serve in, in so many different areas. Um, and there's also a real kind heart in you. Um, there's a, a natural ability in you to just listen to people and to make sure you want them um, to feel comfortable uh, in their spot. So really appreciating that because I see that that's part of you growing uh, as a leader. So Mimi and I just want to thank you for calling us out. We really feel like that you've added to our family and you've added to our community. And so we just want to say that God has great things ahead for you. Yes. So God bless and uh, thank you for being part of Five Stones Church. Whoops. <laughs> I must have dropped. <laughs> okay, thank you, Ben. That was really great sharing, you know, from your heart and your journey, uh, meeting up with Pastor Rich and Mimi. I uh, really appreciate, appreciate your honesty about speaking about some of maybe your experience in, in the past, and, you know, you talked about a fragment, fragmented church experience. Uh, and so, you know, that's something that we're aware that many Many of us may have gone through some challenges in, in our church experience in the past, and you were very honest about sharing that, and we understand your hesitancy. But um, we're glad that Pastor Rich and Mimi was able to mentor you and, and bring you into our community gradually, and, and you say it was more genuine and 
help release some of your hes- hesitancy. And now Ben is taking on the worship ministry. He's leading a, a wonderful team of uh, singers and musicians to lead us into worship together. So, amen. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, today, I, uh, I'm going to talk about, well, I'm actually closing the summer one and other series. And my topic, I, sorry, I, I probably skipped the, the, the slide, is the, on the unity of the church. And a unity in a very confusing and complex world. Uh, so the unity in the body of Christ. Uh, first is, you know, what is the body of Christ? The body of Christ is you, me, everybody who have received the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. And it's not just here in five stones, but the body of the church worldwide. I'm going to start with the first... Uh, sorry, I jumped back. Am I going to run the video again? Or <laughs> okay. okay, perfect. Thanks, Liz. Uh, I'm going to start, I'm going to do a couple of passages in the Bible. So I'm going to skip, jump across a few passages. So the first one I want to uh, focus on is on Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Ephesians 4, 1-6. This is a very profound passage it's a one, bo- one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God. There's seven ones in here. So it's one plus one plus one plus one plus one plus one plus one. What do you have? <laughs> one. <laughs> Sorry about the trick question, but there's only one. <laughs> yeah. And this is the profoundness of this message here. And it is the core of this summer series, One and Other. And we should be carrying this approach in our relationship, in our fellowship with one another. This oneness brings us into what Ben called the kingdom way of living. And that's where God wants to see us. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, we, we thank you that you can gather us today, Lord, and you bring us together as a family. We just rejoice we are able to meet together amidst this period of COVID restrictions, that you give us grace that we can come together and receive the fellowship of one another and receive your spirit, Lord. Father, we ask for your word to come through your passage today. We speak to us through the Holy Spirit, Lord. Bring us into a light of understanding how we can be in unity with, with you and one another, Lord. Help me as I share the message today, Lord, that only your spirit will speak through me, Lord. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. 
So as Ben mentioned earlier about that fragmented church experience, I was reminded of a recent conversation I had. Uh, I was at a, a mission fundraiser dinner, and I was sitting beside two ladies. And they were quite chatty, and they opened up and sharing with me. And I asked them, well, are you a Christian? And they said, yes. And where do you attend church? And, and they said, well, we believe in God. Um, but, well, one of them said, that, well, I attend this Catholic church here and then. And the other lady said, well, I used to attend church, but I don't like to attend anymore. But I believe in God. So that really kind of troubled me that the, the ladies, especially the second one, she, she mentioned a couple of churches that she used to attend, and I'm familiar with those names, and I know they are solid churches. But obviously she experienced some, something, some issue perhaps in the past that caused her to be fragmented and fallen out of fellowship with the body of Christ. So I struggle about you know, this, and why does the church as a body of Christ often experience this disunity, people out of fellowship with one another? This is a huge topic, and I'm just going to focus on two areas today. One is the stumbling blocks, and two is the cornerstone of unity. First is stumbling blocks. As Christians, we often get into conversation with each other. We talk about different aspects of our faith. And here are some of the familiar topics that you might come across. What kind of dress code do we wear at church? You know, should the pastor be wearing a tie? <laughs> um, for the academic type, which translation of the Bible is the right one? Right? <laughs> or what kind of worship music we should be singing? What about alcohol or dancing or women as pastors? How do we discipline our children? And here's one that always gets a lot of airtime. What are the signs of the end times, the prophecies? And more recently, we had a conversation about who should be the U.S. president. And next month, we'll be going to vote for our government here. Should we be vaccinated? Or not. So the list goes on. It's good that we are able to talk about these things as brother and sister and share our viewpoints and build deeper understanding for each other. But this is troublesome when these kind of topics end up causing division within the church. I came across this one more recently, but it's not related to anything with Five Stone Church. A brother came to me, and we're talking about in-person gathering for meetings. And he said, if you don't agree with me, and he wanted to have in-person meeting during the COVID restriction, where's your faith? So these kind of challenging issues that tend to pull us Apart, and it really shouldn't be dividing up our fellowship. In engineering, we have a term called datum. You might know that. It's a 
is a reference point, a benchmark for measuring elevation. It's often it's a sea level. So when you say Mount Everest is 8,849 meter high, it's a measure reference to the sea level. God has blessed us with a mind of discernment and understanding. The Word of God is our datum to measure everything that comes across so we can exercise our good judgment. To discern whether some of these topics, things that I mentioned earlier, are they the essential doctrine of our faith? Are they things that really matter most? Are they maybe traditions or people's interpretations or practices? The caution here is don't make our traditions and our practices to become doctrine. Opposing views are, is not new to the church. The Apostle Paul, Paul wrote to the early church in Rome. He said to the Romans, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way as one who is in Lord Jesus. I'm convinced that no food is unclean in itself. If anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother from whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because everyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Romans 14, verses 13 to 18. So this topic, this division in this passage here, the context is that it's about food. In the first century AD, uh, before the Roman destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD, the early church were very well connected to their Jewish roots. Dietary or kosher law was very important to those first believers. But as the church expanded into the Gentile world, these early believers wanted the newcomer, the Gentiles, to follow the Jewish culture and practices. In this passage here in Romans 14, Paul is not talking really about kosher food or the He's actually talking about food that might be sacrificed to idols. Because they live in a Roman world, a very paganistic world, where when you buy food from the marketplace, it may have been sacrificed to idols, or there might be some kind of pagan rites associated with the food. So some believer determined that these foods are unclean, so they abstain from it. While other believers say that, well, Christ has redeemed us and fulfilled all the requirements of the Old Testament law. Now we're free to eat whatever. So here's the rub. You have the free and you have the strict. The free are generally probably the Gentiles, and they take pride in the freedom they enjoy in Christ. 
they are free from the influence of these pagan culture. Then they look down on the strict as being the weaker brother, being too strict, too religious. And then the strict group, probably the traditional Jewish believers, they hold this holier-than-thou attitude and look down on these free-flowing brothers and sisters as maybe a little bit of a loose glutton. So Paul is calling out on both sides. Let's say, think of your brother and sister in love. If he or she believes the food is unclean, then refrain from eating it in their presence. If your brother and sister eat everything, but your conscience tells you you shouldn't be eating it, then refrain from eating, but don't pass judgment on them. Actually, in this passage here, Paul is actually agreeing with the, the Gentile believer that no food is unclean in itself. But he cautioned them to exercise that freedom. He said each should be fully convinced in his or own mind not to impose that conviction onto the other. Don't be a stumbling block. And that's what he's telling the church then. He's telling the church body today. Yes, as a church body, we're also responsible for admonishment and rebuke when it's related to sin and false teaching. But these are over clear scriptural principles and truths, and they must be done in love, through prayers, and guided by God's word as the datum. We are not to create stumbling blocks. In the Mosaic law, in Leviticus 19, verse 14, it says, Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God, I am Lord. Don't curse someone because you know they can't hear you. Or put a stumbling block on someone who can't see where they're going. But instead, the character trait is of being in unity is being humble, gentle, patient, and love one another, as we read in Ephesians 4, chapter 4. And Jesus demonstrated the humbleness, the gentleness, the patience, the love, as he, remember, he washes his disciples' feet in John 13. So here's the practical side. We must first recognize that this unity is a spiritual attack from Satan, we have to guard against that. And it's not about me being right. My wife often reminds me that <laughs> without love, I'm just standing here with a bunch of words. Maybe a loud gong. I don't think we have a gong symbol here, but if there's one in the head, you guys will just be <laughs> covering your ears. And we are to welcome each other into a community. And I'm blessed that here at Five Stone that, that we are a small church and people who walk in, we really feel that we want to welcome you as part of our community. Spiritual maturity should not be a criteria for fellowship. We are supposed to bring everyone together, let it grow together in spirit and in truth. And to remember that we are all sinners We've fallen short. But Jesus did not come to fix us, but he came 
to redeem us from our sins. So here's a passage. Peter is calling the Gentile and the Jewish believers in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. It says, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Now I want to go to, into the cornerstone of unity, which is the oneness. In Hebrew scripture, or we call it Old Testament, Israel was called, called out to be God's treasure possession, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, as recorded in Exodus 19, verses 5 to 6. So God bought Israel out of slavery from Egypt. He gave them the law, make a covenant with them, and they became a nation. A chosen people or inheritance to represent God's holiness and to proclaim his praise. So they became a nation under God to become a light shining in darkness distinct from the pagan culture that was surrounding them. A culture that has multiple gods, multiple truths, multiple desires and pleasures. They were to stand out. But yes, as we read in the scripture, Israel failed over and over again. They broke the covenant with God, and they suffered a terrible consequences. But God's hand continued to be on the nation of Israel upon his spoken word, even to this day. The people of Israel recite the famous prayer called the Shema. It's an affirmation of their faith. It's based on Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. And I'll continue a little longer than that. A devout Jew today, even, would prayer this twice a day, in the morning and in the evening. And they learn it from their childhood. They will recite it until their last breath before they die. The Shema prayer goes like this. The a child will cover their eyes and they will say, Shema. Israel, Adonai, Adonihinu, Adonai, Akkar, is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This is a declaration of faith in one true God, His holiness. His oneness, again, this is a, another very abstract and profound verse. How does that apply to us today? Well, as any good leader does, a good leader is someone who can really unpack something very complicated, complex, and then review it, simplify it, and make it the, the audience to understand it. And Jesus is this in Mark chapter 12, verses 29 to 30. Mark chapter 12, verses 29 to 30. It says, The most important one, answered Jesus. Oh, sorry, the, the background is the teacher of the law asked Jesus, Of all the commandments, which one is the most important? So Jesus quoted the Shema as number one, and Leviticus 19, verse 18 as number two. It says, 
The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love your Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. In the Old Testament law, there is actually 613 statutes. And Jesus borrowed it down to two. When we love God and love one another, we fulfill the rest of the scripture. So friend, we are to love God and love our neighbors. That is the essence of our one another series. I want to go back to our beginning passage from Ephesians 4. It talks about Paul declared that seven one, the one body. So whether we are Baptists, Mennonites, Pentecostal, independent, non-denominational churches, whether we're in Vancouver, in Ohio, in Kenya, Myanmar, Afghanistan, Jerusalem, we are all part of the same body of Christ with the cross and the resurrection front and center. There's one spirit. It's the same spirit that led me to Christ as the same spirit that led you to Christ. There's one hope, our hope for the return of our Lord Jesus. It says in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us and redeemed us from all wickedness and to purify himself for people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. There's one Lord, Jesus Christ, Son of God, one with God. One faith is our confession that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is one. Jesus is the Son of God, incarnated in the flesh, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sins, and he rose again. There's one baptism. The initial rites that symbolize that all baptized believers uh, belong to each other. And one God, the Shema, the Lord of God, the Lord is one. He's omnipresent. I want to share a, a really neat story that I came across about unity, identity, and reconciliation. Back in April, I was, after supper, I was sitting on the couch and I was watching the Australian Daily News. And this story kind of blew me away. The news anchor was interviewing and uh, doing a story on the Israel uh, Memorial Day. It's kind of their Remembrance Day. It's called Yom HaSakoran. And he interviewed this army veteran guy from the 1973 Yom Kippur War. The guy's name is Jonathan Davis. He's now is a univers- university administrator, uh, university called IDC, Herzliya. Uh, so I'm going to play the video clip. It's about six minutes long. But before... Uh, maybe it's, Sorry. 
Uh, before I play that, just a little background. Uh, Jonathan Davis mentioned that he was a lone soldier. So when he, he said a lone soldier means that he has no family or relative in Israel. So the military was his main social support. And he also talked about a group of people from Georgia. He's not talking about Georgia, USA, where Coca-Cola is. He's talking about Georgia in the former Soviet Union by the Black Sea. So maybe you can play the video. Uh. With more on Yom Azikaron, Vice President for External Relations at the IDC Herzliya, Jonathan Davis. Thank you so much for being with us. Now, now you served in the Yom Kippur War in 1973. What are you feeling this year on Yom Azikaron, especially as we start to exit from the coronavirus crisis? Uh, what I'm feeling is that uh, on a solemn day like this, the state of Israel, all of the people in Israel need to unite. And when we hear the siren tonight at 8 o'clock in the evening, we need to forget about our political differences, our differences in religion, economics, um, national characteristics of, of, of different people. We just all have to unite and remember that this uh, country of ours was not achieved uh, on a silver platter and that almost 24,000 youngsters sacrifice their lives so that we could be uh, where we are today. So that's the first thing that comes to my mind. The, the second thing that comes to my mind is my friends and comrades who were killed um, in action in missions before the Yom Kippur War and, and during the Yom Kippur War. Um, so that's what really comes to my mind. Do you, do you have maybe a specific story from your service that holds particular significance for you on Yom Azikaron? One story which I, which I have, uh, which actually, in my view, uh, deals with the unity of the Jewish people, happened to me because I was actually a lone soldier mm. in a paratrooper reconnaissance unit, and I never really had a place to live, and the Ministry of Absorption, after a lot of nagging, found me a room in some kind of a tenement in Kiryat Yovel, in Jerusalem, it was a building full of new immigrants who had just come from uh, Georgia. Um, and they came from a totally different way of life. So light bulbs would be missing in the hallways and sometimes fuses in the fuse boxes. And sometimes there would be garbage strewn from the balcony onto my laundry. In the few days that I actually got to come back uh, for a Shabbat, or, or, or something like that. And so my, my relationship with the people in the building was not a good relationship. I was quite uh, angry at the fact that here I was. I had come from California, and came from a different way of life, and, and these people came from a different way of life, and we, we were worlds apart. And then the Yom Kippur War broke out. And when the Yom Kippur War broke out, uh, under what, who was then Captain Shaul Mofaz, we went very deep into Syrian territory, participated in missions which we could have easily not have come back uh, alive from. And afterwards, we also crossed the Suez Canal and endangered our lives at the time. And I had literally left the apartment building for at least four months before I actually had a chance to come back. And uh, I finally came back to the uh, building, I think after, after four or five months when we got our first leave, uh, 
to come back to Israel from Egypt. And I come back to the building and I see that my mailbox has been painted red in a very rudimentary fashion. And all of the, all of the envelopes of my uh, mail are like gooey and kind of like sticking together. And, and, and this is really aggravating because there were no emails in those days. There were no WhatsApps. There was only snail mail and air mail. Mm. And, and so there, there used to be an old man who sat in the front of the building, kind of like the godfather of the Georgian community in that building. He would be sitting there and drinking tea with Nana. And I think people used to come up to him and ask him for his advice. So I came up to him with my messed up letters, all yeah. full of red. And I said to him, look, what do you guys personally have against me? Okay, I can understand you've taken light bulbs, you've done this, you've done that. We don't get along, but now why are you singling me out? And he said, well, young man, you were the only person in this building who we saw had a uniform and we saw went to war. So we painted your mailbox red so that the angel of death would skip over your threshold, wow. just like the story of Passover, that the firstborns of, uh, wow. of the Jewish people were spared. At wow. which moment oh. I had a flashback thinking in terms of, how many times could I have been killed in that war? And wait a second, these folks who seem so simple to me, okay, basically the blood that runs in their veins is the same blood that runs in my veins. And their Jewish tradition goes back for thousands of years, as does mine. At that moment, I simply embraced this old man and he embraced me. And I was thankful for being alive. And till this day, I'm not sure that if their little uh, painting of my mailbox didn't have something to do with that. And, and the point of the matter was that from that moment on, the ice broke and I started becoming friendly with the rest of the people in the building. And I respected them for their Jewish tradition and for being who they really are. And it didn't really matter, okay, if I used to mow the lawn in my house in California or if we had better freeways uh, from where they came from. In the end, that was the best lesson I could ever have received about the unity of the Jewish people. Right. Jonathan Davis, thank you so much for sharing that story. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you, and, I, and well over Memorial Day and, for the, and after Memorial Day, let us uh, rejoice on Independence Day uh, Absolutely. And, and take this solemn day uh, for the sake of unity. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Great. Yeah, I was really touched by the story of what he talks about the unity and reconciliation. And he talked about these people he fought with from kind of the, the backwater of Georgia, vandalizing his, his mailbox, when in fact, in their crude fashion, that they were expressing the concern for his safety and the faith in God who delivered their ancestor out of Egypt. So the truth is often deeper than the skin. And as a body of Christ, do we know that it is the same, the blood of Jesus that flows through our spiritual vein in all of us. The Holy Spirit that flows within us is the same Holy Spirit in each one of us. Paul wrote to the, the Jewish and the Gentile Christian scattered throughout Asia, Oops. And calling them 
as he's calling us today to be united as God's people. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 to 10, said, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So as a church, and for us, most of us here, we are the Gentile church, we are grafted into the olive tree, into the promise of God, the promise that he gave to Abraham and his seeds. And Paul says that in the book of Romans, chapter 11. We are a chosen generation. We are believers with a new life, a new life principle. We are royal priesthood. We have direct access to our Father in heaven. We are a holy nation. We are distinct from all the rulers of the world today. And we were not a people before, but now we are a people of God. We didn't belong. We were in darkness, but now we are in the light with the promises and the mercies. So we're called to live as a people, a holy nation, in one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all. I'd just like to close with what Mimi said in the opening, in the video. She said that the prophetic has a way of bringing things out into the open, and we can see the beginning and often see the end, but not so much the middle. But this is where God is working. Yes, in the middle is all murky sometimes. We go through mountain peaks and we go through valleys. But this is where the day-to-day battle is fought. And this is where our unity is challenged. But this is where our faith comes in. In one God, the Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Let's close our prayer. Father, we thank you for shining your light upon us. Let us know we are people chosen by you, Lord. Help us to recognize when we are faced with challenges and we are faced with disunity, Lord, we ask you to call us out to remember that we are your people to come together in love, in peace, in patience, to bring your glory together, to be able to shine in the world around us, Lord. We thank you for your message. Thank you for your verses. We pray that you bring us together in one body and one spirit. We know that you are Father of all, through all, and in all things. We praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, Eugene, for bringing such a a great message to close off this sermon series. It is all about unity. God wants unity within the church. God wants us to be one. I love what Eugene brought out that 
it doesn't matter where we stand in our in our walk in our belief system in our theology so oftentimes we we get so consumed by what we believe in faith and we forget that what unifies us in faith is actually Jesus that we so we get so caught up in theology that we forget that it really isn't about theology but about the doctrines of Jesus Christ that it all of this the church the foundations of the church comes from Jesus and that sometimes we 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 come into a disagreement we quarrel about the little things that we miss the big picture it's that expression that we focus on the tree that we miss the forest but Jesus calls us to a place of unity Jesus calls us to a place where he wants us to be united together as a church not just as five stones but the universal church I love what Eugene said because it it really bridges what we're going to talk about in the fall as he's preaching I'm just like oh my goodness like so many things that you have said is really so much of the foundations of what this next sermon series is about it's about the unity of the church it's about bringing the church together it's not about traditions of church but the heart of the church and so that's what i love about this that as a church we get to be a part of something that is so much bigger bigger than ourselves bigger than our theology bigger than what we know and what we think and we get to explore all of that together have fun. I'm excited for this next season. I hope you guys are too. And I hope you guys will continue to seek after Jesus as we go through everything in life that Jesus becomes the front person in your mind and in your heart. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for today's sermon. We thank you for just your encouragement of Jesus as our foundation, the cornerstone of what we believe. Father God, that it doesn't matter our, our own personal belief systems, even our, our cultural influences, but it, that what does matter is that you have died on the cross and you have saved us. And when you did that, you established something new. So Father God, may that be the thing that, remember, that we remember. And may that be the, the goal that we pursue. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the perfecter of our faith. We thank you, Jesus. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed. We'll see you guys next week.